Dunham, a retired homicide detective. I've interviewed thousands of people, from serial killers to ministers. Welcome to the interview room. room everybody on this beautiful sabbath evening so great to have you here have we got a show for you this evening just a wonderful guest an amazing attorney our special guest tonight is mark tinsley the attorney for the family of mallory beach mallory was the 19 year old girl killed in the 2019 boat wreck involving paul murdoch Mark is a top-ranked personal injury attorney with the firm Gooding & Gooding in Allendale, South Carolina. He's a 1998 graduate of the University of South Carolina Law School. Mark has been selected as a super lawyer. And that is a true statement. His status was not only in 2021, 2022, but also this year, 23 and he received the highest compliment i think in the courtroom when judge clifton newman called him a tiger for his legal prowess and this was during the sentencing phase of alec murdoch so without further ado a wonderful human being and a great attorney is our special guest tonight entering the interview room mr mark tinsley counselor mark how are you buddy Good. Good evening, Chris. <laughs> I, you know, I thought you were talking about somebody else for a few minutes. <laughs> Actually, I, <laughs> I know, right? Sometimes it uh, it's hard to listen to, you know, other folks talk about talk about you. I bet. Yeah, it, it's a difficult task. I knew you were going to say Eric Bland any second, but I well. You know, he was on the yep. tip of my tongue, by the way. You know, I almost, I almost blasted it out there, but I figured you're going to get uh, higher ratings than him tonight anyway. So that uh, that ought to be a good thing. Ought to be a good thing. So good. first of all, just, that's all that matters. That's absolutely. How's how's your life? Let's let's start there real fast. How How's Mark doing and uh, everything uh, falling into place for you? You know, uh, my life is good. I, I've I've. Uh, most days it's like drinking from a fire hydrant with a 10 foot hose, but, um, my life is, is very good. Today's my one year anniversary to my beautiful wife, Stephanie. So happy oh, anniversary to Stephanie. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm yeah. I've got you on your anniversaries. I yeah, am not, she, but she's in Nashville. So we, we just got back. Yeah. We just got back from the keys. 
So we've oh, been in cool. the Keys all week. Oh, that's fantastic. Where'd you go? Wait, can I ask? But uh, did you go down to the the Keys down on the bottom there? Down Duval Street and stuff? Or where'd you stay? Well, we were in Alamorada. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. Alamorada. Um, yeah. So that's where yeah, you was, go. That's where you got nice. That's where you got the tan. <laughs> you, you look yeah. pretty. Yeah. Look, I, I, some tan, sun burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look pretty tan there. Uh, and Nashville. We, You know, I don't know. Um, my wife and I have traveled a lot, but uh, we used to live in Spring Hill just outside of um, Franklin for quite some time, actually. Just right after I'd retired, we initially moved uh, to that area. So love, love, love Nashville. Great people. Just solid people. Well, congratulations on your one-year anniversary, everybody. You know, uh, put it up in the chat there. This fine gentleman on his uh, anniversary. I feel bad now you know, that this year anniversary, but she, if she's in Nashville, let's, you know, you can say hi, hi on, hopefully she's watching, you know, and uh, if, if not, she's a smart yeah. woman. <laughs> she's a smart uh, woman for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? All right. So it's over. The Murdoch trial is over. Well, I mean, for now, right. I mean, it, it's still moving, but, uh, now that Mallory's uh, cases, uh, there's a date set for the 14th, right? I lose you. Yeah, you lost me. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. No worries. Um, so Mallory's, uh, there's a case uh, date trial set for August 14th. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And hey. um, that's that's in the boat crash case. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Is there a... Is there anything that uh, you you're able to share about that, if anything, with bearing in mind it's a case ongoing? And if and if not, don't worry about it. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's a long time coming. Um, it's been complicated by and delayed by uh, a number of factors, not the least of which is the double murder trial that just just finished. Um, there's. Uh, Greg Parker's company is represented by uh, a senator. Uh, he's asserted legislative immunity that's delayed things till August, but uh, we're going to go in August. Uh, for sure, we're going to go. And, uh, you know, I, I think the only person in the courtroom that wants the case over more than me is the judge. So we're going to go. And how, how are those judges assigned, Mark? I mean, in terms of who, who presides over those types of cases? You know, this judge was assigned by the Supreme Court, um, sort of on its own. Um, unbeknownst to me, after I filed the suit, uh, two of the local judges, uh, there were two resident judges in the 14th Circuit, and they both recused themselves uh, from the case. And I assume one of those judges at the time was the chief administrative judge, contacted the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court assigned Judge Hall. Uh, I didn't know Judge Hall before this, but he's, he's a very good judge. I'm very pleased that he's been over it. 
Had you known uh, Judge Newman before uh, that particular trial? Yeah, I've known Judge Newman for, I feel like, close to 20 years. Oh, I tried a case in front of Judge Newman and got a, a real good result probably 15 years ago. And, he, and after he sentenced Alec, I went back and his wife was in, in his chambers and he told his wife about that case I'd tried in front of him. And um, so he, he, he was he's very, you know, I, they couldn't have picked a better judge to preside over that case. Uh, I, um, and I told him that he, he was, he was perfect in every way in, in his temperament. Uh, I asked him why he wasn't that good when I tried my case in front of him, but, uh, I'm <laughs> uh, he, he was, he was really good. He, yeah, he, he's being called uh, America's judge now. I mean, he's just kind of blasted all over the, social media platforms as you know america's judge i mean that if there he just had such a level set about himself uh you could tell it was not his first rodeo you know coming into this one no right yeah you know he he called him the way he saw him uh and he would let both sides have their say as long as they wanted to uh I thought he he was um, he let him say more than I would have uh, probably at, at times, but um, but then he he made his ruling and he stuck to it and he was consistent and you know he he I think from a lawyer's perspective he let the lawyers try their case um, you know they might not have liked every ruling but he let everybody do pretty much what they wanted to do and. Um, but he controlled the show. He, he was, he was first class in every respect. His temperament was, was the best of everything, you know? And, and I can imagine there's a lot of pressure in that spectacle, that circus, uh, environment. And it was a circus environment. If you were in the courtroom, it, it was, it was kind of nuts, but he, he slow and steady. So when you, um, when you've practiced in the court, like that uh had you ever seen anything in your illustrious career that just you know you you just had to shake your head and go holy cow this you know to your description of it being a circus uh and i know you mean that in 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 the right way um but i could not believe that harpulian was allowed just to walk anywhere he wanted in that courtroom at any time. And I kind of struck me one time when I saw him walk in front of, you know, the, the solicitor and the expert witness during her testimony. And I was like, holy cow. And I've been in a lot of courtrooms, you know, sitting at the table as an investigator, but I've never seen anything like it. Is that normal? Uh, you know, I, I think several times he, it looked to me he was walking around to get a look at whatever demonstrative exhibit they were talking about. And that would be normal. I mean, you would typically stand at the end of the jury box so you can see what she's demonstrating to the jury and what she's pointing out. Uh, that, that was very normal. Uh, a few times he walked up. I, I saw him a couple of times walk up and say something to Jim Griffin. Um, you know, he's Dick. Uh, I've known Dick a while too. And Was it to throw the rhythm off, do you think? You think his strategy was kind of just kind of throw the rhythm? 
Uh, you know, Dick told me before I got on the stand, he said, you know, we focus group this and the jury just doesn't buy the financial aspect. That's well, I hope you can get your money back. I don't know if, if, if it, walking around the courtroom was every time was trying to throw it off, but it, Dick definitely would try to throw your rhythm off. Yeah. Well, and he, he definitely threw the audience off. So it was, it was somewhat working. I mean, because I think people were really surprised to see him just kind of, you know, cause I, I, I watched the, every moment of the trial and it says, Oh, there goes, there goes Harpo there you know, right through the, right through the middle of the well in front of the witnesses. She's testifying. I'm thinking, Holy cow. No, I've seen every, you know, of course you go behind the DA. Well, the DA's asking questions. It's not a problem, but I've never seen him cut right through the middle of the, the racetrack. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. But you yeah. know, you know, the gentleman and, and I hear he's a fine lawyer and he's a fine man. Yes. Go ahead. He, you know, he, he provided a lot of comic relief and it, it and it would seem like to me when he would make jokes oftentimes about himself, but, but, but he would make a joke and, and there would be a response. Um, Chris, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. You just, you have a little lag, but you're okay. Yeah. Okay. A little, you're, you're cool. Okay. Well, that's the, that's the, that's part of living in the country. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. You're good. You're good. That's a blushing. So, um, so just out of curiosity, you know, during Alex's trial, you know, Mallory's father, can we, uh, I want to ask you this question. Well, he was in the court for sentencing. Uh, there was some contact between him and John Marvin. Uh, can you comment about that? If you know. Yeah. Uh, when John, so the, they couldn't find a parking place. So we were sort of the last ones coming into the courthouse, I thought. Uh, and as a result, uh, the seats got taken up towards the front and, and, and the beach family sat towards the back of the courtroom and the John Marvin and Buster and maybe all of the Murdoch family that was there came in at the very end. And so, uh, he said that um, he saw John Marvin come in, they made eye contact and then John Marvin sat down and, and later as everyone was leaving, John Marvin came up and said, I didn't see you back here. And, and, and he. And. I didn't see it, but I, I was told and uh, that, that that's what happened. There were a number of people standing by. Um, so, so you, you, know, you just, the moment you said it, you just dropped out. So just kind of say that last part again, just before uh, you said something. And then it went, you went to space. Elon Musk got you sent he, back down and you're here again. So, so Philip Beach felt like, that John Marvin had seen him when he entered the courtroom originally. Mm -hmm. And then after Alec was sentenced, John Marvin made a point to come back to the back of the courtroom because they were waiting on me to get out of the, the judges chambers. And um, he said that 
John Marvin said he didn't see him back there. And Philip felt like he had seen him and it, it almost felt like he was politicking in a way. And so he just put up his hands and, uh, and didn't shake his hand. Um, you know, I, I, I think that Philip feels like that, that John Marvin uh, was helpful in with some of the things that happened the night of the boat crash or the morning of the boat crash. I, I don't, I don't know um other than communicating back and forth I, I don't know that he, that he was but um so I, there's still some hard feelings yeah yeah um so let's let's talk about uh alex's uh the trial there for a sec uh you're on the witness stand for two days uh what was that like yeah <laughs> well, you know the so I was in Mexico when they, when they first got to me and I, and I couldn't get back. And so when the judge said, well, we'll wait on Mr. Tinsley to get back on Monday. So there was a, there was a little bit of pressure in the, in, in just having held them up, uh, which wasn't my intent. They thought they were going to get to me later that, that week. Um, and so, but there was a lot of pressure uh, to, to bring sort of all of this, uh, financial stuff together and explain it. Why the, why Alec believed that this was uh, the only option, you know, it, it, it's not something that makes sense. I think to normal people, but he knew that if he were the victim of vigilante, then the lawsuit would be over. I think he believed that he had pacified Jeannie Seconder done whatever he had been doing for the last 15 years and and it had skated past that he was working on getting the loan from palmetto state bank we now know this i didn't know it at the time so he was going to be able to return the ferris fees and you know i, I think in his mind this was the this was the the linchpin to uh getting it away with everything and and um i, I don't know how you get to that point but so there was a lot of pressure in, in making sure that Judge Newman understood uh, why these these crimes, these financial crimes, the things that were happening, uh, had brought so much pressure on Alec and 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 were an issue for him, and that would drive him to do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it sounded like their theory is they had to tie it all together, uh, and that. The financial crimes was obviously one of the motivating factors, which, you know, in terms of the pressure, I don't think the general public understands, you know, the 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 totality of, you know, what all that was going on. What, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. You know, I mean, just look at it from the perspective of where he was before they charged him. He's facing what, 800 years worth of financial crimes. It's going to be most likely they're going to three strike him with three felonies and, and he'll get life without parole on the financial crimes. Uh, he would have known that was over. He would have known his law uh, license was gone and, and uh, that, that this position of power would be over. And, and, and then this mar on his family's name. I think that was probably a lesser consideration for Alec, knowing Alec like I know, I think I know Alec. Uh, he was only really concerned about Alec. 
the family name would have been the last consideration, but uh, he, he would have known the consequences. And, you know, I referenced Danny Henderson. Danny Henderson was a partner, is a partner in the firm. He was acting as Alex general, I mean, uh, personal counsel throughout the beach trial. He wasn't a lawyer in the case, but he was intimately involved in every aspect. And, you know, I, I, I even demonstrated to the jury and told the jury that guy in the back seat of the, of the police car, uh, who reaches up and squeezes Alex's shoulder while he's crying. That's the guy. That's the guy that Alec was worried about more so than he was worried about me, the tiger on his tail. I mean, you know, Danny Henderson would have reviewed the financial records before I got them. Uh-huh. And he would have known that, you know, these lawyers only get one big lump once a year. They don't get it uh, throughout. There shouldn't be all these transfers. He, you know, it, 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 it and when you look at the bank records, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. He wasn't really hiding uh, what he was doing. Nobody was looking for a long time. But Mark, yeah, I was going to say, how did it, how did it stay under the umbrella for so long in terms of uh, underground? I mean, I, you're, you're well, right. I mean, when you look at it and you hear it now, you go, well, what was going on? Well, the bank was helping him. You know, I mean, Russell Lafitte's been convicted uh, six I think it's six different indictments, felony indictments in federal court. He was convicted in November. Um, most of those were conspiracy. And, and um, so he had help, you know, he, he had help. And then once he figured out how to manipulate the system to keep it uh, under the radar, he, he, he was a well-oiled steel machine by that point and, and knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. Is that because of, uh, obviously, there's got to be history here that goes back. I mean, I know that they pretty much uh, ran that solicitor's office for almost 100 years, but at the same time, was it just the name or was it he was just good at manipulating? Oh, he's he's he is a gifted liar yeah. uh, and a master manipulator. No, there's no question about it. I mean, I, I don't – you read his – his emails, you read his text, they're, they're full of grammatical errors, misspellings. Uh, I mean, he is probably genius level manipulator, but he's not a, a banking expert. He's not a legal expert. I mean, you know, in the Russell Lafitte trial, one of the prosecutors made a point of pointing out that uh, Alec always had to have somebody like Russell Lafitte to help him with the details Ronnie Crosby, who most of the big cases, uh, Ronnie Crosby was involved in handling the technical aspects. Ronnie is a fantastic lawyer mm-hmm. and Alec was dealing with the people. And so, there, you know, there's sort of a not by design, a Chinese wall in terms of the division of responsibilities. You're handling the case. He's handling the people. The money comes in. You think everything's going because, you know, it, for the most part, this is a self-regulating system. I've settled your case, settled your case, Chris, for a hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to pay me a third and, and, and you're due $67 or whatever it is. And so, um, <laughs> you ought to be able to know that I haven't given you your money unless, uh, but, um, but he figured out how to do it. And, 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 you know, it's, it was interesting to me that, uh, some of the lawyers even testified that, the people still liked Alex. Some of his financial victims still 
um, had nice things to say about him after he'd stolen from him. Yeah, people trusted him. Even after, even after the fact, oh, yeah. they, still, they still were like, yeah, he's a nice guy, but yeah, but he's got 4 million bucks that belong to you. You know, and I'm, that's a hypothesis, but, you know, hypothetical, but, you know, it's kind of like, uh, man, oh man. So just out of curiosity, did you feel at any time uh, that you, you sensed Mallory and that you were speaking for? You know, difficult question but i i i knew paul well you know I, I i knew paul and maggie and 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 this is not i mean I, i've seen comments people have said you know that i'm i'm seeking my 15 minutes of fame there's nothing in me that that relishes this or wants to be associated with with the murder of these two people whatever their faults were whatever they did wrong they didn't deserve what happened to them right um uh, and you know it was it 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 was the most heinous it, to me uh you know the and, and the reason i think that they should have solved the death penalty is i gave him the option of a payment plan i mean he had three and a half million dollars in may of 19 in his pocket that he had just stolen from the satterfields i mean he, he it's in his pocket he's actively stealing money he steals money continuously from from 19 until he's caught and you know what what this is a stupid thing to say i understand it but what rational person if you're actively getting away with something doesn't take those stolen funds and buy your way out of this versus you want the money and and you decide that this the option is to kill your wife and son it's it's, it's just it really yeah, speaks to i mean he was just pretty much running I think he is yeah, no, he was pretty much running a almost a Ponzi scheme if we look for a, a description of it somewhat. I mean, he was, you're right, he should have st stole from Peter to pay Paul, you know, just to kind of keep things moving in the right direction. But you're right, something changed, something changed. So, so, something changed. You know, originally, early on, that's what he was doing. He was, he was stealing. He would, you know, his, his debt with the bank would go up four or five million dollars. Uh, he would steal, he would pay it down. The, the debt would immediately go back up. And so he was just sort of moving the, moving the money from here to there. And like you said, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, but, but after the boat crash, um, uh, he he's liquidating these funds and, you know, he's, he's actively cashing these checks. I mean, I've seen the 384 checks or 426 checks to Eddie Smith, whatever it is. Those things are, they're made out to E.W. Smith, Eddie Smith, Ed Smith, every iteration of, of Eddie Smith that you can come up with. And they look to me like they're signed by different people. I know he had, he had a number of people that were cashing checks for him for money. I think you heard testimony from one person who was cashing checks, but I think that's what Eddie Smith was doing as well for the, for the most part. He, he didn't pay Eddie Smith two and a half million dollars for drugs. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I had a laugh when uh, that came up. That uh, you know he's paying his drug dealer with checks. I'm like, you know, yeah, sure. You know, I worked over 300 murders. A lot of them, you know, dope deals gone sideways. And I never had a single dope dope deal where somebody was cutting another guy for checks. You know, saying, hey, you know, here you go, here's a check. Uh, where's my product? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. thought. No. 
Yeah. Now they wash, yeah. they steal them out of mailboxes and then cash them. <laughs> right. I mean, you and I, right. both, but uh, how, how bad what I, I, I don't buy. And this is just my personal opinion, not yours. My personal opinion is this uh, addiction problem here uh, was hocus pocus. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It, it was, it, and, and we saw it at the end, right? I mean, you, you saw him talk about, uh, I was addicted. I was paranoid. You know, I was paranoid I, it, at one point, I, you know, I was headed to Nashville and he was on the stand and I texted Creighton Waters and I said, you know, he just said, uh, he was paranoid about everything, but he wasn't paranoid about me or the law firm. <laughs> he's paranoid about cars that are going by, uh, but he's not paranoid about the, the two people who are about to uncover and pull the thread on, on this thing and, and unravel it all. But um, no, I think that, I think that's always what it was. I mean, the, the roadside shooting, the, 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 the BS life insurance, which there is none, uh, all of that was, uh, just to, just to spin, a spin to, and, and, you know, I mean, I remember the right before they arrest Eddie Smith and Jim Griffin is still saying, Oh no, there, there was, he was shot. It was a shooter. Uh, he didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, I think in, into Saturday, but by Sunday we knew they, they had Eddie Smith. Um, the, the moment you heard about that, tell me about what you thought the moment you heard about the shooting. That's not on so, my list, by the way. I'm just thinking out loud. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I, I don't remember that all the questions were on your list anyway, so it, it's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I was, um, I had just come from Nashville and we were in the car and I got a call. And if, if the call didn't simultaneously tell me that the, the deputies on the scene were saying there's something going on, it was within seconds after that. Um, so, I mean, I don't even think he's in the helicopter yet. And that, you know, he was loved. Some people say, why was he loaded in the helicopter? It's standard protocol. If there's a, a gunshot wound to the head, they dispatch the helicopter. And so that didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, no, we, we knew that it was. And then, you know, within an hour or two, I think I, I knew that he'd been fired from the law firm. And then shortly thereafter, they released whatever statement, uh, from him. Um, at, at least that's my recollection, but no, I, I, in the week before the rumor on the street was, is that they had, they, the attorney general's office had impaneled the Colleton uh, County grand jury. And, and I, I believe Alec thought he was about to be indicted. And, and that was the exigent circumstance that, that pushed him to that point at that time. Do you think he was, uh, he had contemplated taking out cousin Eddie and throwing it all on him? No, 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 it was, it, th this was, he, he, I think he really thought that he was going to get away with it, uh, always. And, and, and so that was, um, a, a way to say, see, somebody really is after me and my family and I didn't shoot my family. Mm -hmm. um, somebody's after me. And so, no. Yeah. So it was, a that might've been a better plan. Mm -hmm. He probably thinks he should have done that now, but that's not what <laughs> yeah. happened. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, because 
do we even know if Eddie actually fired the gun or is that, uh, and that he just missed? I mean, or, or did Alec just kind of, uh, we don't even know what the totality of those circumstances are. Cause I don't think he's ever come to the front and said other than what he's told, uh, you know, the story here, but what do you believe anymore? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, I, 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 I um, Dick a number of times said there was an entrance and an exit wound. I subpoenaed Alex medical records sort of out of the gate right afterwards. Um, yeah, he's probably still in Atlanta when I send a subpoena to Savannah for his medical records, which they tried to stop. They tried to keep me from getting those. And um, it doesn't look like a bullet wound, any bullet wound I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, I still don't believe that they, they shot him. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he hit him in the head with a hammer, ice pick. I don't know. I don't know what he did. Yeah. I, I don't buy it. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, just even looking at some of the photographs of, you know, the bandage wrapped around his head and stuff. Uh, it just didn't, you know, we used to call that DLR, right. Does not look right. You know, when you, when you, well, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, head, head wounds bleed a lot. So, you know, yeah. there was a fair amount of blood in that bandage that I don't think that really means anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 do think it was significant that he took his health insurance card and he made sure he had his health insurance card with him when they did whatever they were going to do. So there's a possibility. That's the first time I thought he could have actually uh, just been stupid enough to try to graze one off his thick skull. But um, yeah, I don't buy it. Well, yeah. And not with the 38. No, no, not. Yeah. I, I, I will find out at some point. I'm sure there's some, some inmate will, leak that into the environment one day. Um, so let's talk about your testimony when, um, you know, you told of an encounter uh, where Alec tried to basically come up on you, right? And intimidate you. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. right. Uh, tell us about that. What, what, what else can you add to that story? I know you were, you were, you had a little limited testimony there, but set the stage for how that thing all went down. Well, so, you know, every, every year there's this trial lawyers, uh, a bunch of plaintiffs lawyers together in Hilton Head. And um, I can't remember, you know, when everybody going out to dinner, they go out in large groups. And sure. I don't remember whether this was before supper or when everybody starts to come back. My recollection is it's before. Um, and it, and there's two reasons for that, but um so I see Alec, Alec sees me sort of beelines across and, you know, I mean, it's, it's still a big deal. This is August. I, I filed suit against him shortly after the boat crash in February and, and, and he gets right up in my face and he says, Hey, Bo, what's this? I've been hearing about what you've been saying. And what he was talking about was the fact that I'd been telling his lawyer that he was going to have to pay. He's going to have to pay personally. Um, for a long time, i think he thought you heard a couple of times during the trial, somebody said maybe Ronnie Crosby or Mark Ball, a friendly lawsuit, but knew about a friendly lawsuit. I think he thought he was just in it to, for venue purposes or um, for, for, for some other friendly purpose. And it was never, that was never the case. And, and he, he didn't like it. He was upset by it. 
And uh, he was letting me know that he was upset about it. And I told him, you know, if you don't think I can burn your house down, you're wrong. And, uh, you know, and, and I had shown John Tiller, there were, there were lots of videos, lots of videos of Paul with alcohol, lots of videos of Paul without drinking alcohol with his, with, with Maggie and, and Alec. And, um, you know, I had all those, I had sat with his lawyer, John Tiller and shown him those videos. And, you know, there's a, there's a video of Alec receiving a jello shot from 17 year old, uh, Morgan Dowdy that was, that, that I had. And, and, you know, it was, it, 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 there's some damning videos. I, the, I've recently seen, I don't know if it's a TikTok video or somebody's posted where some, uh, advertisement that Alec did where video is worth a thousand words or something. And he really believes in it. And it, yeah, I mean, and, and so I had, you know, I had a hundred thousand word videos and they, and all, they all pointed to the fact that um, alcohol was a, was a big part of everyday life in, in their family and they condoned it. They promoted it. Um, and, and it just, it meant some serious liability for him. And it was the kind of thing that Greg Parker, who was obsessed with the fact that this was a friendly lawsuit, uh, in my opinion, um, that they, they just were looking for and wanted. So that's what I was telling him. Yeah, no, that made sense. And it, and then, uh, so when later you, that, yeah, go ahead. Later that night. Well, yeah, later that night, we, we just so happened to be in the same restaurant and I was out with my partner and, and some other lawyers and, and Alec and uh, I, it, my recollection, Alec and Buster, and they came up and they spoke to everybody, but they didn't speak to me. And I, and I told one of the lawyers at the table at that time about our encounter. And, and I thought it was interesting, you know, when he denied that it ever happened, uh, adamantly denied that it ever happened when he testified uh, when I watched the video and I said what I said, he said, and what I said, I saw him lean over to Jim Griffin. You could go back and watch it. And he says, um, that's not what he said, or that ain't what he said. Yeah, that's As, the way I read his list. That ain't what he said. I, I uh, saw that. I did. I remember that piece. Yeah. And so, you know, that's exactly how it went down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, well, it is. And I mean, you know, and, and um, I, I told some one of the lawyers, I said, well, I've been lying about this before the murders before, <laughs> for years because I, I, I've consistently told this story now since since August of 2019 and, and to a number of people. So it's OK. Well, the truth is a constant um, and uh, it uh, you cannot beat around that. And Alec just found out what that means. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, oops. What, what was the uh, reaction of everybody at the table? when he walked away and you told him, you know, it was, it, it was very tense anyway. E everything was sort of, yeah. um, it, so no, I mean, just that was awkward. Um, <laughs> that's that, that, you know, that, that was, that was, what, <laughs> that was awkward. And then I explained <laughs> what I'd said earlier. And so it made a little more sense. You but know, you know, there was a, there was a lot of attention on, on the fact that um, I've practiced law with a number of the partners in that firm. I've handled case, tried cases with those lawyers. They're, they're, I mean, they're, I can't, I've said it 
I'll continue to say it. some of the best lawyers uh, that I've ever had the pleasure of, of having worked with, which is part of the reason why I don't buy for one second the, the drug that he was taking. And, and, and if you do the math, even if we said $30,000 a week and they're $80 a pill, I mean, it's That's a, it's a tremendous, I mean, it's, you know, it's four to six, 80. If he only sleeps five hours a day, it's still like four an hour. He can't do that. No. And, and plus everything, if, I mean, if he's got that kind of opioid addiction, uh, then, you know, you're going to be nodding off every two to three hours and, and well, you know, go ahead. And you can't steal tens of millions of dollars from some of the sharpest lawyers and, and, and manipulate everybody. And I mean, can you imagine it, it, it imagine, I mean, the, the, the problem with a lie is it's, it's such an insidious thing, right? It's like cancer. you got these tentacles and you don't know where it's going to trip you up. He's told thousands of lies. He's got thousands of balls in the air and he's juggling them all. And, and you want us to believe that he is actively taking so many opioids that uh, he's out of control and doesn't remember in his period. It, it, no, it's no way. No way. Yeah, I thought that was a tactical error to go down that route as a defense or at least even introduce it as a possibility because uh, I agree with you a thousand percent. There was, it, it just wouldn't have made any, it didn't make any sense. And and even to this day, we're still talking about it. The jury didn't buy it. You know, he, you know, as, as he said, you know, well, oh, what webs we weave. Uh, and um, yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He was doing it. Yeah. Oh, oh what web? Oh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. I mean, yeah. you know, I didn't iron yeah. 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 yeah, you can't yeah. make that up, right? That came right yeah. out. Of, that came right out of him. So, in your opinion, um, why Maggie? Why Maggie? I mean, why Maggie? I mean, I know all the pressures building with Paul because of his conduct, and you know, because remember, every behavior has a purpose. Every behavior has a purpose. So, I mean, so go ahead. If you, if you, yeah, if you recall from my test, th this is the why Mark Tinsley thanks Maggie. Okay, mm -hmm. and there could be there could be another reason, and I and but when I found out that I had cancer in the fall of twenty, um, so the murders are are in June of twenty one, and in November I know that I'm going to be gone to. Uh, Florida for four and a half months, beginning in January, and I'll come back mid-April. I also know that John Tiller, Alex's lawyer, has um, pancreatic cancer, which is generally a one-year life sentence, right? And so, um, and and John knows that, and John wants to finish the case, and and he wants to end this case, to try this case, this be his last case, and uh, so there's a sense of urgency to, that we get this done, and. Um, but, but you have the pandemic, so the courts are shut down. They're just starting to come back online in the fall of 20. If the county has a COVID plan and, and Hampton County didn't have a COVID plan. So you know, we, we didn't have terms of court. I was leaving for four months and there was a, the issue was whether or not the case was going to remain in Hampton where Alec was, was from and reigned or go to Beaufort where you have a lot of people who don't have these strong connections. At least, you know, Ellick doesn't know it, all the people like he would in Hampton. 
And so I'd made up my mind I was going to go to Buford. And I had, I told you, I had all of these videos. Well, one of the first things that I did when I got involved in the case was I went to Maggie's Facebook. And Maggie's Facebook was just picture and video after picture and, and video of Paul with alcohol, Paul in the boat with alcohol, Paul loading the coolers, Paul sitting on the sandbar with beer between his legs, and all of Paul with uh, Morgan and, and Alec and Maggie at their house, um, and, and he's got a beer in his hand, and, and videos from out to dinner, and, and, and there were photographs that she had liked, clicked on, you know, so, so you know, it, there wasn't any question that had she seen them, she liked them. And so I had screenshotted those and I had those things and I'd shown them to John Tiller. And, and so in November I sent request to admit, which I, I started telling Creighton waters about this, the request to admit, uh, because I think this is the why Mag, um, those photographs clearly documented that Maggie knew about Paul's drinking and let's assume that I don't have any evidence of Ellick knowledge of that. Cause the claim really is a negligent entrustment claim. The, that is, you know, that he has a propensity to drink alcohol to excess. You nonetheless entrusted him with a vehicle. In this case, it's a boat. <coughs> so I sent requests to admit to Ellick in November to admit that everything that Maggie knew that all of the things that by then had been sanitized from her Facebook account, um, were imputed to him for purposes of liability. And what I really was doing was extending the, uh, an olive branch to Alec as a way to, to, cause I knew Maggie was upset about it. You heard some testimony from Blanca about how upset she was about the boat crash in the case. Yeah. And so, so here's a way to protect your wife, this person that you love more than anything, you know, keep her from being sued. Well, he denied them in, in December of 20, he denied those. And, so what that does to me as the lawyer on the other side is it then forces me to have to sue Maggie because I can't run the risk that I can't get all of this evidence in because it's not relevant because, you know, I mean, you and your wife, Karen here, I Karen knows for sure. But, but, but how do we know that, you know, just because Karen knows it, 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 it may or may not come into evidence. Right. You need to. And so separate tracks. I was really shocked. Yeah. I was, I was really shocked that he did that. And by then, you know, um, Greg Parker uh, people had done extensive research into Alex assets and they were, he was just consumed by what Alec had and all of these different properties. So I knew that Moselle was exclusively in Maggie's name. Now I wasn't thinking about, ever going to execute on his assets because as I testified, I thought he had money. I believed he had money. I mean, he was actively making lots of money. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was, it was shocking to me. And it wasn't until after the murders uh, that, that I really sort of put two and two together why he would do that. Um, but, but that could be the why the other, the other part of it is, is that, who's most likely to ask the most questions after this happens? Um, you know, whether it's why Paul was there, who knows? 
I mean, you're talking about a sociopath and, and why a sociopath did what, it, what he did. But, um, but I think that in, in December of 20, the, the denial of those requests to admit indicated that, that he was already contemplating. And so when he told Maggie's sister, whoever did this had been planning for a long time, I think he told the truth then. I agree with you. There's a, there's a study out of England. Uh, her name is Dr. S uh, Smith, and she was um, <clears throat> she did a study about the eight stages of domestic homicide. And Alec Fit, uh, I went back and I looked through the through the study again, and Alec Fit all eight stages, and I mean right up to the to the end. And it's interesting, you know, because people are always going to ask, well, you know, why Maggie? I mean, I, I kind of, you know, people are going to be saying, well, I kind of get Paul because of the boat pressure and all this other stuff and his life falling around him, you know, in terms of all the financial problems and stuff. Um, but I, I think there's, I don't think folks quite understand that I think, you know, when he took, when he killed, and we can say this now because he's been convicted you know, when he killed Paul, that Mama Bear came at him and he just turned and ended that as well. But I think people missed the fact that it was a coup de grace while she's on the ground. Uh, he not only mows her down, but he walks over and he shoots and he shoots her while she's on the ground. Uh, and that to me told me everything I needed to yeah. know you know, about the kind of guy that uh, you were trying to, you know, deal with. So I thank you for your, you know, your description of what, what you're talking about there. So let's, uh, less than three hours. Did that surprise you, the, ver the verdict? No, it, it, you know, it, it really didn't surprise me. Um, it, it, I think when, when Alec got on the stand and, and admitted that he was at the kennels, he had compressed the timeline such that there was just no way to get away from what happened. Um, you know, to get away from the shots, from the, the, the dog kennels. I mean, it, it just, it's just too short a time. And so as soon as they don't buy that, it's over. And, that, and it sounds like, uh, in large part, that was that was sort of the the coup de gras for for his defense as well. I mean, it, you know, it, they didn't buy. He was at the dog kennels. He had lied about being at the dog kennels repeatedly to everyone. Um, he, he clearly was trying. And it, you know, if you knew Alec, you can see when you hear him, when you watch him. When I was watching him test, I couldn't finish watching him testify because. Uh, somebody texted me and, and she said, uh, he's, he's testifying exactly like you did on, 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 he's the evil you or something like that. I mean, cause he was, you know, he, he was relating it to different things that had happened. And, and like, I tried to make all the pieces fit for the jury. And when I, I told you a moment ago, when I referenced Danny Henderson reaching forward, I said, that guy, that's the guy you saw him in that video, that guy is the one he had to worry about the person that's in the car with him when he's being questioned. That's the man that was, was watching over everything. And, and so, you know, uh, Alec was doing the same thing. And when I would watch him 
you know, if he said, I can't remember exactly, that's a tale. That's, he, he has certain phrase. I would appreciate when you hear him on the video say, I'd appreciate. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a suggestive ask without really asking. Um, was Alec afraid of Danny too? Do you think? I mean, overall, Dan, uh, he definitely would have been afraid of Danny finding out for sure. I mean, he, he would have known just like what happened. I mean, Danny, I think it was, I don't remember what Ronnie said. It was Danny and Randy, I think, that actually confront Alec and, and he confessed. And I, you know, whatever he said, I didn't know why it took you so long or something. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I didn't know why it took you so long to catch me, Chris. I've been stealing from you for 15 years. <laughs> but, and, and, and these, and these are like, they're, they're right next door. They're right next to him this whole time. And he, and he's, he's got it. You know, well, we live three types of lives, right? I mean, we live a public life, a private life and our secret life and all sin and all crime occur in that secret life, you know, and, and Alex certainly um, was good at hiding that. The, they're the best at, at doing it. So I, I'm curious as to um, did Danny talk about it after Alec kind of gave it up? No, no, not, I, I, I haven't talked to Danny. Yeah, and, and I doubt I doubt he would talk about it to anyone. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, he just because he felt not only the betrayal of it, just the fact that uh, the totality of it. You know, I can't really, I can't really stress enough. I mean, you heard some of the testimony of Mark Ball and talking about brothers and family. And I mean, these people, these people practiced law, uh, but their families were so intertwined. I mean, they lived life almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like family. They worked together, they played together, they ate together. They were together a lot. So, you know, the 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 level of betrayal is I mean, yeah, you can't you can't really overstate uh, those feelings, I don't think, in, in, in terms of what they have to be feeling. Well, yeah, I mean they're you're I, I don't think the folks understand that, you know, you're you're really brothers in arms and sisters in arms. I mean you as, as lawyers, it's such a, uh, and I'm only talking from, you know, looking through a window in, right? And being around you folks for, you know, 40, sure. plus, 40 plus years. This idea of, yeah. you know, this family makes total sense. I mean, you, you're you together, your kids play together, you, you coach each other's baseball teams, and that's what was going on here. And then to have somebody in that circle be discovered not only the totality, the horrendous event here, but just even all the other stuff, you know, coming up to it, all the financial stuff, it was like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, that's my family. You know, you violated my fi- my family now. That was, you know, something that was, you know, college and funds and, you know, this and that. That's what was going on here. Am I, am I off base on that? No, no, you, uh, no, I, I, in fact, I told I told Creighton Waters at one point. I, t- I said, you know, you you've got two kinds of family. You've got the family you were born with, and you got the family that you choose or that chooses you. And and Alec stole from both, mm-hmm. and 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 it's because he mattered more 
than all of those people. You know, Hakeem Pinckney is is in a, a, a I'm going to call it a cut rate nursing home facility where his ventilator becomes unplugged. I mean, this is somebody who needs the money. All of the people that he stole from needed this money. Arthur Badger that I represent, uh, he had six small children from two to 11 years old. and Their mama had died in this crash. Uh, he needed this money. Right. And, you know, this wasn't you're in a wreck, you get a check um, kind of people. And that doesn't happen anyway in the real world. Um, th this were people that were seriously in need of these funds and he was more important. He was always more important. And if that's the person, uh, when, when, when you put your needs, your wants, your desires, whatever in the hell it is that, that drove Alec and, um, in front of everybody, it, your, your family, um, that that's the kind of person who, who would kill his family. Uh, to protect himself. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ventilator plug, um, it, it, it resonated with a lot of people out there. That's for sure. And, and, in your comment there. Uh, so during sentencing, um, judge Newman gave you a very high compliment. Yeah. Uh, he referred you, uh, he referred to you as a tiger, uh, for your legal prowess what did you think of that you, you know in the in the moment um i mean i think his words were uh with a, a tiger like mark tinsley on your tail i i can imagine what you felt and you know it was emotional for me and for the same reason i said earlier i um i mean i knew paul and maggie and 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 even in the um the mind of a sociopath to the thought that, that these two innocent people were, were killed because I was putting pressure on Alec. Um, it, it was, it was upsetting. Um, and, and, and I, and I was emotional about it and I went back and I, I was emotional with the judge and, and, and he, um, you know, it's not, it's not logical. I can I can make a certain logic in my mind, but it's emotional. It's emotional response. We're emotional beings. I mean, we don't always think logically, and you know, and 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 so I don't know that it's guilt that I felt. Uh, and and afterwards, somebody said, "I bet you're relieved. I bet you're happy." No, I'm not happy. I feel dirty. I feel dirty is the only word that I can think of because I'd never want to be associated with the reason that, that two innocent people are killed. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, that was the, 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 in terms of the pressure that I felt was making sure that, that to begin with, that judge Newman understood, uh, what I thought and why I thought that, uh, Alec had done it, at least this part of it. And, and then the jury, I wanted it, it was, you know, because some complicated stuff, not for Judge Newman, but certainly for the jury to understand. And and um, so, yeah, I, I, it was nice. It was a nice thing to say. And um, at first, I thought he was talking about the fact that I said I carried an orange backpack in Carolina, but. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's gonna, if a lot of people are going to catch that in the chat here, but uh, that was uh, that's pretty funny. Well, I yeah. Can, 
Well, I, so I went to Clemson and, and we were Clemson Tigers. Yeah. 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 yeah, so Clemson Tigers, and I carried an orange backpack. But no, that's, that's not the he was, room, by the he way, was talking about. Because did you bring it into the courtroom? By the way, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, uh, but, but no. And when I went back, and you know, and and I, because um, <clears throat> I went as I listened to what Judge Newman said. There's a moment where I realized that I'm holding my breath. And then I, at the same time, I recognize that everybody in the whole courtroom is holding their breath. It's just, and, you know, it, he, he is so even keeled, so deliberate in what he's saying. And I went back and I told him, I said, judge, I, you know, I have never heard a more articulate, powerful string of words put together than what you just said out there. And, and I think that, because, you know, he was talking to Alec um, because he knew he had seen Alec's family. I mean, you know, this just wasn't you had a you had a wonderful family. This is not coming from someone who just saw their pictures blown up on the screen. He saw them at the trial lawyers convention for years and years and years. Right. Um, he he would have he would have seen them in those places. And, you know, and so. That those were the words I wish that I could have said to Alec, if I could, you know, I, I couldn't have put those words together, but um, it was, it was, it was the most moving thing I think I've, I've ever heard uh, a person say. And, and, and it didn't appear to me he was reading anything. I mean, he was just speaking and, uh, and it, cause he continued in the, in when I went back into his chambers, I mean, he, he said, you know, I've, I've never had someone uh, who, who, who'll admit it. Um, you know, just the same thing he said to Alec. And, and then he told his wife that in, in fact, he told her about the case that I tried and, and he, he could imagine the pressure and cause I didn't leave any stone unturned in that other case. And, and, and clearly I wasn't gonna, um, leave a stone unturned in this case. And, you know, I, I see somebody just commented about the judge losing his son. And, yeah. Can you imagine, can, can you imagine? And I, and I really, you know, if it had been me, I, I would have had to comment on um, on that loss. Uh, and maybe you can't, maybe you can't, because we're not equipped to deal with the loss of our own child. We're, we just can't do it. But um, here's someone who, who suffered an incredible loss by the loss of his son right before the beginning of this trial. And, you know, here's someone who kills his son to continue to be able to steal and live whatever lifestyle it is that, that he's living. And, um, I, I'm confident judge Newman would have given anything to have his son back. Yeah. I, I guarantee I, I love it. Judge, yeah. I love judge Newman too. He he's, he's just a fantastic person. It was a swing of the pendulum and where you could hear it, not only in his admonition, um, but you could feel it. And I think, oh, the, yeah. I think the world felt it, and anybody that goes back now and rewatches that that day, uh, it was really a message to humanity. And I mean, I know it was directed at Alec and the horrendous, you know, crimes that he's committed, but there was a sense of humanity 
in Judge Newman's presentation that presented itself in such a fashion to your point that said, and he didn't say it, but you knew he was feeling it. I would give anything for that brief moment to have my son one more time. And here you are. And I'm just asking you, did you do it? Basically. And Allie couldn't find, he, he showed no emotion, didn't lose a beat. You know, he was mad dogging everybody as he was walking out of the room. You know, did you get a stare, by the way, at any time in the courtroom from him? I don't know if I got he, the only time was when, was when I was telling the about the Hilton Head because uh, I, I was looking at him as I was saying it, looking into his eyes. And, he, you know, and I said when he got right in my face, I, and he was looking at me and I was looking at him. And then towards the end of that, and I said, but I wasn't intimidated. And, and then he broke eye contact. And that was that was the only time, you know, Creighton was pacing back and forth such. I was trying to try. I was trying to, to make sure I was listening to what he said. But uh, so, but that was the only time I that we he really made eye contact with me. And we stared at each other uh, for a few seconds. Interesting. Uh, the Netflix series told the story of what happened the night of the boat wreck in Mallory's uh and about the murdoch dynasty uh did you think they got it right do you think they got it right well they got they got some things wrong um i i you know i think the thing about the netflix documentary is 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 they had so much and um i i i believe that that the the people who produced that from son of mark um are, are, are some very gifted people. I, you know, um, what happened was is after the murders, Jim Griffin, uh, there were a number of news outlets that had, uh, requested the, the criminal file on the uh, boat crash and the AG's office wouldn't release it. And, and Jim Griffin made a comment that clearly that was because the boat crash was related to the murders. Um, and Mallory's family was incensed by that. And, and it was, that we had not given any statements to, to anyone. And, um, and, and that was what, so, so almost immediately on the, on the heels of that, we sat down with 2020 and, uh, and then, um, talked to other people. And, and but Jen, when Jenner first with Son of Mark, uh, pitch the idea. I mean, he, he clearly understood the, the, the whole pervasive nature of, um, uh, of just what all was involved in, in, in this. I mean, you know, you got, you got a banker, you got Alec, you got this, uh, all of this law enforcement, uh, in, involvement. And, um, and, and I, so I, I think coming into it that, that they had the ability to tell the story um, with, with a whole lot more um, feel for just how pervasive everything that, and how interconnected everything was. I mean, er, everything's connected. You know, I, at, at different times I've said there's a thousand rabbit holes and there's a rabbit in every one, everything's connected. And I, you know, I, I used to, um, I remember when a, 
the Dateline producer called me and said, there are these two PIs and they went to Sandy Smith, which was Stephen Smith's mother. And, and they got her iPad and, 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 and they broke it. And I thought, wow, that was terrible, but I don't think that's got anything to do with my case. Well, it did. Um, and I, I just didn't know about it yet. I just didn't know the why. And, and so, you know, the one thing I learned was to not dismiss anything and try to try and which is hard to do when you've got, um, you've got people from all over the world uh, sending you information, some good, some bad. I mean, you know, the, for instance, the, the picture of that I used of a buster and John Marvin in the Las Vegas casino gambling, somebody sent me that, um, you know, and I use that to have the judge appoint a receiver in the case. Yeah. Um, they made a phone call. Just some, they made a phone call about yeah, that. An and anonymous he, person sent me. That. That's right. Yeah, and he may. I think he won a uh, beef stick, and from the commentary. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. On the phone call. That's right. Yeah. Okay. He won about six or eight beef sticks. It, yeah. It, yeah. He said you'd be proud of me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I couldn't miss no. the opportunity. I couldn't. No, miss it just it just. But but I but I think that that was what they were going for, and then maybe Netflix didn't quite. They didn't quite think that people would understand. I mean, it's been a big success, as I understand it, in in terms of uh, people watching it. I think they did a good job with with the story they told. I just think they had the ability to tell a a, a bigger story, um, and maybe they're going to come back and do some more episodes. Or, uh, I don't know. You know, I think uh, so. You'll find this interesting. I just did an interview. I can't. I can tell you who it is. It's the American Bar Association. Uh, lawyer the review the magazine that you guys all get so i just did an interview with them about the power of social media and if it's used correctly you know what are the ups and downs other than that you know is it the wild west uh yeah it's 50 50 uh but i think that picture that was sent to you is a perfect example of the power of the reach of social media the fact that this you know, somebody sitting in Vegas, you know, gambling and you're working a, you know, the death of a 19 year old, you know, innocent human being who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, I outside of her, you know, her boyfriend and her friends there and, and alcohol's involved and all the other stuff. But the fact that that, the power of a millisecond can change the dynamic of of um, the way things are today. Um, that that's 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 a powerful tool, and I think you used it appropriately and correctly. Uh, and look at the look what the yeah. truth. Go ahead. Well, it, you know the the difficulty, and you you you've referenced it without referencing it, but, but, you know, lawyers, there's, there, there are rules on pretrial publicity and what we can talk about before a case. And, 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 and generally speaking, we can't talk about much, but we can, we can try to correct the record. You know, if Jim Griffin goes on and says, clearly this is related to, uh, they, they think that someone involved in the boat crash is a suspect. Uh, we, we can go talk about that, but social media, you know, with, with bots and fake accounts and, and trolls. And, and I mean, you know, 
sometimes I, you sound like a conspiracy nut, but I'm, I'm just telling you, it's real. Oh, and, it's real. And they're there. And, and you can go to some of these closed groups and there's people just pounding away uh, who are being paid to do it, who may or may not be real. They're, they're different firms where you have this AI uh, bots that are responding to these things. And, oh, yeah. you know, from Twitter they, to they Facebook talk to, to yeah. It, I got hammered. I've it just Google my name. I mean, I've been hammered. I can't tell you how many times, you know, over something that a person that doesn't even exist, you know, I've done this and this and this, and I'm like, this, this is a, this is a robot or, or something. I mean, it's, it's not a real person. So I have a question with all that, with all of the, well, first of all, can you answer this question? What, a uh, yeah. social, what about the paper you whipped the out? <laughs> you know, so um, the, when the case starts on Tuesday, Creighton has me come because he thinks that there's going to be a proffer then. I, I, I think I'm right. And when Dick comes in the courtroom and Dick sees me, you know, Dick already knows. Dick's read my testimony in front of the state grand jury. So, so Dick knows what I'm going to say. And they had filed a motion that day, which, which Dick sort of interrupts. And it was, it was interesting because um, Creighton and Jim are arguing about a motion. And then Dick just interrupts and starts to argue the motion directed at me. And, and, and they had written this memo. And, and I read the memo. And when I read the memo, I knew they didn't know about the order. So I, printed off the order and I, and I showed Creighton that morning and, and I said, don't ask me about it. Don't ask me anything that even gets close to this. Cause, cause he's going to do, he's going to go there. And, and, you know, and it was, it was tough. It was tough holding it as long as I held it. And I, I waited and, and just trying to wait on the right time. Um, because I didn't, I didn't want to miss the opportunity, but you no, know, I knew that I knew where they were coming from, you know, and it, it sucks to be predictable, but, um, I, I could I could see where he was coming from, and um, he, you know, it was a it was tough questioning. It, you know, it's kind of like that bag of corn, just down, down underneath you. You know, every once in a while they're going to show up, and you're just kind of sitting there going, "Well, that's that's interesting. I might as well take care of it." <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a classic moment. I think everybody jumped out of their chair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was perfect. I I'm just trying to figure out who's going to play you in the movie, you know, in the big screen, right? You know, we're, yeah. we're gonna, guys. Who do you just in chat? Who do you think is going to play Mark uh, on the big screen here when when Hollywood gets a hold of this whole thing here? You know, uh, let's see here. So, are you up for a couple of questions, my friend? I've had you for an hour sure. and fifteen minutes. Are you good? Are you good with time? Yeah, I mean it's it's my anniversary, but it's just me and four dogs, so we're okay. good. Okay, yeah, so they're okay. they're actually asleep in the floor, so they don't care. Okay, yeah, not Tom Cruise. Somebody said not Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> why doesn't he look like Tom Cruise? He looks. Ah. Like, you, know, I, you know, I I guarded Tom Cruise for four days in San Diego. Uh -huh. That's where I did my career down there, and uh, he didn't talk to me. It was during the filming of uh, Top Gun in the eighties. And uh, I spent four days with him. Guy didn't even say a word. So you've got Ben Affleck, Keanu Reeves, Costner, 
Uh, okay, so let's hammer. Let's uh, get a question up here uh, for for Mark Bradley Cooper. There you go. There he he's a Bradley Cooper guy. That looks that looks about right. Um, man, you're one popular dude here. I'm gonna have to get a Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> okay. Uh, he want this. Uh, the real me says I like to know who's gonna play Alec. Yeah, really. I don't yeah. know. That's going to be a that's going to be an interesting. Well, let's see here. Let's. Uh, I just lost that one. Okay, let's see here. Uh, in the court of a piece of evidence, Jeannie asked me the Sophia. Those are nothing. They gave me paranoid thinking. Okay, that's more of a comment. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, what's your four dogs' names? So I've got uh, Peanut, who's a boykin. I've got Bear, Daisy, and Bella. And Pe uh, Peanut is the, Peanut's the one that I don't know. People have seen it. She's gone to court with me in, a couple of times. Let's see here. Uh, as are they putting those two things in the same in camera? You suggest uh, ringing jury. Do you think he could have fabricated evidence in his cases? You know what? I that was an interesting comment do you do we think alec could have fabricated fabricated information in his cases i was really awestruck when the judge newman said your family has been uh you know taking care of this courtroom basically and i'm paraphrasing for years and years for people the death penalty for lesser than what's going on here. And I was wondering if that was, you know, what did that exact mean? What exactly did that mean uh, from Judge Newman to Alec about his family's run in that courthouse for so many years? And the fact that he had to take his grandfather's picture down, you know, before. You know, it, it, I, I didn't know. When I heard him say the words about taking down the, uh, yeah, Clooney probably is is got enough of a uh, comical side he could do it. I think there's other actors they suggested were too serious, but um, but you know, and it, but on, on this on the on the portrait, at first I thought that that they were he was taking it down because of a concern that someone would feel intimidated by this that you know the impact of this influence of, and of who they were. But when I heard the judge, I really got the sense that he had taken down the portrait to ensure that Ellick got a fair trial. So, um, and, and, and maybe, maybe it could be for both reasons. Cause he said it was for both reasons, but I, I never, it never dawned on me that he would take it down because someone could, or this jury could possibly hold it against Ellick that he had, um, had come from, uh, this position of, of influence. And, um, and I think that was, that was really the point of what he was saying, you know, here, here you, you had, um, you, you had everything, you had a beautiful family, you, you, you had a family who, uh, and, and I think that their family had done a lot of good. I mean, I, I don't know about, uh, I've, I've never heard a rumor that, well, they concocted evidence or, or they sent this person to the, 
uh, electric chair for, for, you know, I mean, the murder cases that I've heard uh, that Alex's grandfather prosecuted or, or even that his father prosecuted, they were some pretty serious murders. I mean, they, you know, they, they, there wasn't any fabrication there, but I, I just, I just got the sense that it was, um, you had everything you, you've, you've come from this position. I mean, you're, you're a lawyer and that, and, you know, and I, I don't know that the world holds lawyers to a different standards, different standard, but lawyers hold lawyers to different standards. And, uh, you know, we're entrusted with, uh, with, with everything, with people's lives, with people's livelihoods and, and to abuse that power to, to, to mar and, 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 and the system of ours and the way that he has done and, 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 and be such a stain on our profession. Um, it, 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 he really hurt a lot of people, um, Hmm. that, that we will never know about, uh, because of it. Interesting. So here's, um, well, you know, and where, uh, which gets into this Madeline question here, were there any quiet conversations about AM, AM amongst lawyer, you know, basically you're the in crowd and his propensity to stretch the truth. It seems like personal personalities like that would generate questions among their colleagues. What do you think? Well, you, you know, well, so so what I said to begin with, I mean, you, you take Hakeem Pinckney or you take uh, Donna Badger who died in this crash with UPS. I mean, you don't have to stretch those facts. I mean, he, so so not typically. I mean, what Ellick would do is if you had a case with Ellick, he might not return your calls. And then you're on you know, Sunday night. Tomorrow we're going to have a roster meeting cases on the roster, you don't think that Alec's ready to try the case because you haven't heard from Alec. He won't return your calls. And and so suddenly Monday morning, he says, Chris, guess what? I'm ready to go. And so he would he would do that sort of power play and um, and use it to his advantage. But no, I mean, I, I think for the most part, the cases that that uh, he was stealing these funds from, they were the, the, those cases the facts spoke for themselves. I mean, you know, you got terrible deaths and horrible injuries and, um, and, and good liability. I mean, and, and that's the thing about when you're, when, when you're trying to, to present someone's case, I mean, you don't want to take. He'll come back. He'll be back, everybody. We're just kind of, he's having a little audio um, problem here, not an issue. Uh, Mark's out in the country, so if he drops off, I'm sure he'll jump right back in here. So it'll be just a second. Um, so what a great what a great guy, isn't he? What a great guest. Just an amazing human being. I mean, he's been dealing with uh, so many personal issues as well. He'll come back here. Uh, and the fact that he's cut some time out of his uh, schedule to come up here for us 
and um, share as much as he is here. What, what an absolutely amazing human being. And I want him to have the last word here um, with what's going on. Hopefully he'll come back in here. Here he is. Yeah, sorry. No worries, no worries. We got you. So, um, so I there was one question about um, the GoFundMe. Go yeah, can you can you speak to that, or are you allowed to, yeah. or is it okay? I don't want to jeopardize anything. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, I um, I I have seen people suggest that there was something improper. I mean, clearly Phil Barber suggested that, that there was something improper. Um, Shelly Smith was only subpoenaed by the state. And you heard Judge Newman at one point say that once they get off the stand, they're released from their subpoena. So it's complete hogwash that, oh, she's under subpoena. That's what Dick was was trying to get Phil Barber to argue as she was under subpoena. She wasn't under any subpoena from them. She wasn't even on their witness list. She was on the state's witness list and she had been subpoenaed to testify by the state. So, so that would be the first thing. If I had been asking Shelly Smith the questions and, and, and my wife was sitting there and I said, he needs to ask her or, or say, you're, you're afraid, aren't you? This woman I mean, I was in the courtroom when she testified and tears were streaming down her face and, and you could tell she was terrified. Yeah, she and, was. you know, I mean, I was moved. I was, I, you know, I was, I was really moved by the fact that she was essentially working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to take care of her grandchildren and, and her family. And, and, you know, um, so I wanted to help her. Um, Renee Beach shared, not necessarily to me, she just shared it on Facebook, the GoFundMe. I saw it. Uh, I donated. And um, and then somebody quickly said, oh, Mark Tinsley donated. I didn't think anything about it. I really wasn't trying to hide it, uh, but I made it anonymous after that. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of what I did. I would, no, you know, you I'm, I, I'm glad a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, she was, she's a nice lady. She's, she was deserving. I was moved not by what she said, um, but, but just what she was willing to do and go through in that moment. But I was mainly moved by the fact that she was, was tirelessly working to take care of her family and, and she was jeopardizing that by getting up there and testifying. And, you know, I, I just, I felt for her. So I gave her a thousand dollars. Good for you. I give her a thousand dollars again. And, and, you know, and I think, I think that, uh, much to judge Newman's dismay, they didn't ask me about that on the stand. Cause he, he, he said, it'll be interesting fodder on cross-examination. I, I think he was hoping they would ask me. Um, but they didn't ask me. I was hoping they would ask me. Well, it just goes to show your heart right there, your family, your wife and your sweet wife now and, and the, you know, your family as a whole. I mean, that just shows what kind of person you are. I mean, here's, here's a, yeah. uh, a wonderful soul who you could tell, I mean, her body language would just spoke volume. She was just so, uh, because she was, she was trapped. 
she was trapped. I mean, he put her in a really bad, bad, bad situation. Um, yeah, that was an epic moment. Oh, Hopper, I totally agree. Uh, let's see here. Was there not a life insurance policy? Alex Buster Collect mentioned Markin's first testimony. There wasn't. There was not. There wasn't. You know, and, and so so just so people understand, I mean, when the receivers were appointed by the court, um, if there, there are a couple of different kinds of life insurance. One could be a whole life policy, which would have value. Uh, and and, and the, the role of the receivers were, was essentially to marshal, to pull together all of Alex's assets. And so uh, we had looked for the life insurance for that reason, to see if he had life insurance. We couldn't find it. I'm told that Dick subpoenaed um, to try to find life insurance and Dick couldn't find it. Now um, I thought, I thought it was interesting on the cross examination of Ryan Kelly, the sled agent uh, by Dick, Dick never once said suicide. He never once said life insurance. You heard it in the audio recording from the, from the rehab center in Atlanta, but you never heard Dick say it. Jim said it, Alex said it. Um, but I'm, I'm just like Mark Ball said, somebody needs to show it to me. Uh, and, and $12 million in life insurance. Alec wasn't, Alec was $386,000 overdrawn on his checking account. You think he was actually paying a premium and the premium would have been substantial. Yeah. Um, he, he, he wasn't making payments on, on a premium. He didn't have any life insurance. That was all uh, um, some some more spin. Once Smoking once they got in. caught, mm -hmm. he, yeah, I mean it, it had to be you know he had to explain uh, why he was doing this, why it wasn't to to cover up and say there's really a vigilante after me and my family. I was really trying to do it for the life insurance. You don't take your health insurance card when you go to try to kill yourself. I'm sorry. What what else did you think was kind of uh what about Stephen Smith's iPad connection to Mallory's case? Is there, is there any truth to that or so that, so the two that, the, the two PIs and, and and that's another case that's the the outrage civil conspiracy case that I've filed on behalf yeah. of the Beach family. But there there are two PIs that were working, um, and and we've alleged to to get information about um, at that time was about the Murdochs. Okay. So, and if you, and if, um, if you can't comment on it, I, I totally get that too. I don't want to throw a curveball yeah. at you. I don't want to jeopardize anything. Uh, you know me, I'm, you know, it's, trust me, we want, we want justice uh, for, for all parties involved in, in all directions. So I don't want to put you in a bad spot if, um, so let's see her. Let's see her. Are there other kids in uh, drinking home, blah, blah, blah. I think that case has been resolved. And of course, I think the kids, I'll, I'll answer that one. The kids themselves have have all, you know, stood up and told the truth of what took place that night. And um, how how's Mallory's family well, doing, by the way? Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say there's a reason that it's illegal in all 50 states uh, to not drink until you're 21 years of age. Um, so, you know, I remember my grandfather, my grandfather uh, was in World War II. And, and I remember 
when I was 18 complaining about if you're old enough to go into the to the army or be drafted because we still had the draft. Um, we, we didn't have the draft. We you still had to register, whatever that was. I, I remember doing that, and you know, and so I I was complaining about not being able to drink. If you're if you're old enough to to go into the army, you ought to be old enough to drink. And and I'll never forget him saying because. Um, his brother was, was about a year older than him and you had to be 16 to join the army. And my great grandmother, they lied on his, whatever it is, the application. I don't think it would have been an application, but they, they wrote the wrong date. So, cause he was only 15 and, and, you know, he went in, uh, he went to North Africa, probably 16 or 17. Um, and, and till the war ended and he was in North Italy. And he said that the reason that they they send kids is because by the time you're 30 or 40, you wouldn't get off the boat. Um, you you know enough. And, that, and, I, and that's the reality of alcohol. You know, I mean, no drunk person has ever got in the car and said, you know, today's the night I'm going to run into somebody. Right. You know, I, I'm going to it's always it's not going to happen to me. And, and, and kids do not have the life experiences to know. Uh, the consequence of their action. Now, do you not like that? I'm sorry. You can go, you can Google it. I mean, some of these, some of these uh, people who, who make that statement um, are in that suspect AI uh, bot class to me, but because there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that are, that, that, that do that, that don't have any followers and say, but go and look at it when, we changed the law from 18 to 21 and just how many deaths, highway deaths related to alcohol, uh, how they decreased. And, and it's, it's a real thing. Um, so, and, and then the other part of that is, um, Mallory has paid her share of that responsibility. Yeah. It, um, I remember, you know, the, the fact that this whole thing, I mean, nobody planned the totality of what ultimately occurred. It occurred because, uh, you know, there's the old saying, you know, the greatest gift you're given is uh, life. Second under that is the ability to choose. And then when you add alcohol, you add underage, you, you, un, you add deception to get that alcohol underage, um, then it just creates all kinds of problem. And the outcome is you don't get to choose the consequences. And to Mark's point, Mallory paid the ultimate price uh, of those consequences. And, you know, I guess, you know, that's why um, going forward, hopefully, he'll, he'll come back here, but hopefully going forward, that um, it's a lesson for a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Um, Larlar, here he comes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, alcohol destroys lives. That's the bottom line. Right. And, um, drug abuse, resistance, education back in the day, you know, just, uh, the eight ways of saying no, you know, for fifth graders, uh, back in the time. And sometimes it sits, but when you have a culture of around you of a family that condones it and allows it, then, you know, it just keeps going the way that it's going. So that said, 
All right, my friend. Is there anything I haven't asked? Whoop, wait a minute. I've got two more up here. This one is more of a comment. Thank you, Mimi. You're awesome. And this one, Mark, uh, any thoughts on Harpoolian saying he was honored to represent a man lawyer who had admittedly stolen and hurt so many people? That's kind of a interesting question. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, it's a fine line. Well, you know, I think what he said was he was honored uh, because he was innocent. Uh, and um, I mean, I, I, I do. I will say this about Dick. Dick truly believes uh, in in the system that we have and and that everyone is presumed to be innocent until proven to be guilty. And so um, I have a lot of respect for what Dick does. I don't necessarily respect all the ways that Dick does it, but. Um, but I, you know, it, it wasn't effective here. It could be effective somewhere else. I think Dick's a great lawyer. Uh, and I think that he brings a lot to the table for his clients, but, um, you know, I mean, the, the evidence was, you've got a liar who is at the kennels within seconds of when his family was murdered. Um, I don't hey. care what, what lawyer you have. They're not going to be able to. So I'm going with this one. I'm going George Clooney's going to play. You know, we'll, we'll have to do this again when I have a better internet. No, you're good. You're I, my friend, uh, the fact that you did this on your anniversary, uh, just again, it, you're a man of your word. I mean, we, I had you for last week, but you know, and I know, but you were in uh, the keys on that day so uh but absolutely let's get you uh back here and so here's my tradition okay we i always like to leave on a high note so we take everybody to hawaii okay so what i'm going to do is i'm going to step out and then you say whatever is on your heart wherever your heart takes you at that moment uh and you've got close to just under eight thousand people on this live here tonight watching you. So basically it's a very large arena. Okay. All right. I want to say personally, it's a great privilege to, you know, meet you personally and to call you a friend now. And hopefully I can get you back here. Maybe I can get you back with that other Tasmanian de devil, uh, you know, and uh, you know what I'm talking about and yeah. get I, I, I won't get to say anything if you if you bring Eric on here for sure. Well, I can't wait to see you in action. You know, coming up here, uh, you're a great man. And and by the way, everybody hit that thumbs up button for him, and make sure you know you pass this on to your social media accounts uh, on behalf of uh, Mark and just everything that he's been doing. I mean, here's here's a man seriously that he's married way up. Uh, I saw your uh, your Facebook thing and just you know you you've uh, you've outstepped yourself on this one, brother. Good for you. God bless you. I, yeah, I, I think I think we both have. They're the they're, they're the ones that actually set this up, by the way. Okay. Yes. And my and just so everybody knows, our wives were talking to each other, and my people were talking to his people, and we got it done. So um, okay. I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here, and uh, we're gonna go to Hawaii when you're done. Show Mark again, thank you so much.
for being a guest on the interview room. And it's so great to get to know you. And we're going to do this again. We look forward to it. So you've got the final word from. All right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I think the thing that, that the Beach family wants everybody to know is, is that all of these, all of the people that have reached out, their thoughts and prayers, uh, they really mean a lot. And they're, they're very much appreciated. And they've helped these people get through an incredibly difficult time. And, and they've helped me. I mean, a lot of people have reached out to me as well. And, and, and your appreciation for the work that we've done to try to help this family get some level of accountability is very much appreciated. And so um, I thank you. And uh, nice talking with you. Hard working every day, I'm stressed out 24-7, babe, no, no timeouts Wish we could fly away, you and I Go to our favorite place, oh yeah, yeah Make special memories, together I'll be your company, now and forever Facing a wall.